0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, February 12th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's episode by Slash Film Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writers, Huay Tran Buoy.
1: Hey, everyone.
0: And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. All right. Welcome, everybody. Let's jump right into the news today. Uh, Brad, Rick Moranis is returning
2: to... Acting? What's going on here? Yeah, Rick Moranis is back, baby. It's time the time for the Moranisance. Um, so we know that there's a Honey I Shrunk the Kids sequel coming called Shrunk. Not a great title, but there you have it. Um, some people thought this was supposed to be for Disney Plus, but it's actually a theatrically uh, released movie that will be coming. And there have been rumors uh, over the past week that. Rick Moranis was going to come back and reprise his role as Wayne Zielinski, the uh, inventor who created a machine that could shrink things and accidentally shrunk his kids in the uh, original movie and th- then eventually blew up his baby in the second one. And a, a lot of people thought that it didn't sound very accurate because Rick Moranis hasn't really come back for anything. Uh, he-, he says that he's not retired, but he's been very picky about – Uh, doing anything uh, related to acting. He stepped away from it after his wife, unfortunately, died of cancer. He wanted to raise his kids and be there for them. But now his kids are all grown up and it seems like he's ready to work because uh, he is back as Wayne Zielinski for Shrunk, Uh, play the same character. Josh Gad is on board to play uh, his grown-up son, Nick Zielinski, uh, and he's supposed to accidentally shrink his own kids. However, there are some... Extra details floating around online from uh, the original report that actually uh, scooped this story before Deadline got a hold of it. Uh, this Disney fan uh, news website called Diz Insider uh, has some information from a casting breakdown. And I'm going to re- read through it here real quick because it paints kind of a depressing portrait. For Wayne Zielinski. Uh It says, aware that the family ties have loosened over time, but seemingly afraid to confront anyone directly. He has been tinkering alone in his attic for decades, dealing with the grief of losing his wife. When we first meet him, he has accidentally shrunk himself and is flying around on a shrunken drone, seemingly lost in a continuous of uh, cycle of tinkering and experimenting that often puts himself and his family in jeopardy. He later reveals he shut himself away to try and invent a solution to help shrink Uh, his wife's cancer, but found it hard to cope when he ran out of time. His guilt and shame is palpable. Through the crisis of the kids getting shrunk, the truth emerges and the bonds begin to redevelop between him and his kids. Pretty dark stuff. Yeah, especially for a Disney project. Yeah, but at at the same time, Disney movies are notorious for killing parents. Um, And on top of that, I feel like that's exactly the kind of story that might convince Rick Moranis to do something like this, because it makes it Super personal for him. Uh, his, as I said, his wife died of cancer, so maybe there's something, uh, you know, cathartic and therapeutic about doing a role like this. And also in a weird uh, coincidence too, uh, Marcia Strassman, who played Rick Moranis' wife Diane in the original movie, also died of cancer back in t- 2014. So there's, you know, even more emotional layers to it. Did Rick Moranis turn down um, cameo appearances in uh, both? Ghostbusters movies Brad do you know the answer to that he he did yeah they they reached out to him for answer the call and he said that he didn't feel like it was something he needed to do because he'd already done Ghostbusters and didn't feel the need to come back to it and not too long ago there was a report that said that Rick Moranis was not going to be among the original cast members returning for Ghostbusters Afterlife Hmm. so I, I imagine it's mostly because they're small roles that are more just fun and not necessarily full of a lot of significance and if this is if this character description re- rings true and it does dig that deep, you know, then this obviously is something that would have a lot of, uh, you know, significance to him.
0: So, uh, and I know we're spending a long time on this, uh, but are you excited about Rick Moranis' return in this way? Because like you said, the, it's not, it doesn't sound like it's going to be this like fun, jaunty, uh, you know, return of like the goofy Rick Moranis that we've kind of grew up with.
2: Um, are you excited about seeing him back under these circumstances? You know, I'm excited to see Rick Moranis back under any circumstance, to be honest, because he's been away for so long and he really was a great actor uh, in his heyday before he decided to step back. And if anything, I don't think that this precludes the idea of this performance being uh, fun, because as we've seen, you know, with um, maybe most recently, the best example is something like Rick and Morty. Where Rick is a character that is extremely depressed and in denial about you know who he is and his state in life and that kind of thing, but he's also this wacky, fun, crazy character. And so I could see them maybe using this, this thing of having him be a little bit kooky in his uh, depress- depressive state, I guess. Um, but then digging into like why he's like that and finding out that there's you know this this serious you know sadness behind him. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our next uh, topic, which is Disney Plus's Loki show
0: has cast another person, HT, who is going to be joining uh, Tom Hiddleston in that series.
1: Gugu mbatha ra who has recently appeared in the Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus series in *The Morning Show*, and has uh, starred in se- in films such as *Motherless Brooklyn*, *A Wrinkle in Time*. Um, and the uh, uh, Beyond the Lights, Fast Color, and Bell, and it's also show, showed up in the Black Mirror episode, San Junipero. So there aren't any details yet about who she will be playing in the Loki series, but um, yeah, she will be the latest to join the cast alongside Tom Hiddleston, Sofia De Martino, and the recently cast Owen Wilson.
0: Are you excited about this, HT? I'm a big fan of Guggenbatha-Rawz.
1: Yeah, I think she's fantastic. I remember way back when she appeared in an early episode of Doctor Who. Uh, So I think she's just really talented and really charismatic and honestly an actress who has um, long deserved to be sort of a big movie star. And um, I'm excited to see whatever she plays in this um, series. I'm hoping that maybe she'll get to play maybe another god. If not, you know, probably she'll be another human being who will I don't know, cross paths, look at some point. It'll be really cool to see her uh you know uh opposite Tom Hiddleston
0: yeah maybe she'll suit up as one of the time cops who are tasked with uh tracking him down or something that might be cool
1: yeah um
0: okay so let's jump over i guess uh, continuing on our our disney discussion here um the mighty ducks tv show is coming to disney plus and this is like a continuation of the film franchise. Uh, Chris, this morning we found out that that show has now found one of its uh, its female leads. Who is going to be in the Mighty Ducks show?
3: Uh, Lauren Graham is starring in the show. Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls and other stuff. Uh, she's playing the mother of a, a kid who gets kicked off the Mighty Ducks team, which... Is a weird way to start your show but that's how this show starts uh her son is being played by brady noon who was in good boys he was i believe one of the titular good boys uh and yeah so the <laughs> this the show is it's it's set in the present day and, and the mighty ducks have become this sort of like big deal they're not you know the scrappy team they once were and when this kid gets kicked off the mighty ducks uh he sets out to build his own ragtag team of misfits so it seems weird to call this a mighty duck show because it seems like it's not actually about the mighty ducks but there you have it
0: yeah that's that's the strangest um angle that i'm trying to wrap my head around like why is this show called the mighty ducks other than obvious just you know brand recognition if it it doesn't sound like they're really going to be a big part of it um brad i know you're, you're a big fan of this uh I guess, film trilogy, Um, and I think the Mighty Ducks, like, spun off into, did they do an animated series at one point (coughs) that was, like, about alien ducks or something? I don't know. I don't know if you ever watched that, Brad, but...
2: There was an animated series where there were, I don't know if there were alien ducks, but they were at least anthropomorphic ducks who played hockey, and I don't know if they were superheroes or or what. Yeah, it was very 90s, whatever
0: it was. Um, Yes. What what do you make of this, Brad?
2: Um, You know, I'm i'm intrigued by the premise i uh, we talked about this in slack because it seems weird to me that like the mighty ducks have become this big you know phenomenon and they you know kick this kid off the team because it kind of makes them the bad guys but then peter pointed out that it kind of puts a cobra kai spin on the situation where uh you know ralph macchio was considered to be the hero of the karate kid but in cobra kai he's kind of the jerk in the series so uh, it kind of puts an interesting spin on it. It does seem weird that the show is still called The Mighty Ducks. Um, because based on that, I, I suppose maybe we'll see um, something along the lines of, like, well, they're not really the Mighty Ducks we used to know, so these are the real Mighty Ducks, or, or something like you know along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that Brady Noon is a, a good choice for the kid lead. He's hilarious in Good Boys. Uh, Laura Graham uh, apparently is very good on Gilmore Girls. HT can attest to that. She, she has said, apparently... <laughs>
1: Yes, she is good in it. It's she's great.
2: So, yeah, and we have heard rumblings that Emilio Estevez might be uh coming back as Gordon Bombay, which would be the thing that gets me really excited. And hopefully we'll get to see some of the original Mighty Ducks uh come back in some capacity as well, you know, in, in cameos. So, I'm I'm at least willing to check it out. Chris, I have to ask you, did you grow up watching the mighty ducks movies? I'm finding it very difficult to
0: picture a young Chris evangelista sitting down and watching all three mighty ducks movies as those films came out, but I could be wrong. What's your relationship to the mighty ducks?
3: Uh, I saw the first one and I have really no memory of it other than Emilio Estevez is like drunk. And that's why he ends up hosting. He ends up coaching the team, which is like a really odd. I can't imagine that like Disney making a movie like that today where some drunk guy gets hired to coach a team as (laughs) as punishment for being drunk but uh i remember like there's a character named goldberg that's really all i remember i don't (laughs) i don't think i ever saw the sequels uh so yeah I, i did not have like a huge attachment to it as as a child
0: ht was this um a little bit before your time or was this sort of like right in the sweet spot for you growing up as well
1: came out the year I was born.
0: So Okay, all right. Oh so my
1: uh, god. What did, the hell?
0: <laughs> did you ever catch I, up with it,
1: H.T.? I did not. I have no interest in hockey. Uh, so I've never seen The Mighty Ducks and uh, I don't know if I will go back and watch it. I you know, Disney Plus is there for me, so I guess I have a chance now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think the Mighty Ducks movies are on Disney Plus or at least the sequels aren't. Uh, maybe one of them is because I know uh, the sequels were on uh, – I think they're on – H actually, maybe they're all on HBO right now because I know I just recently uh, put on Mighty Ducks 2 just for the hell of it because it's just one of those movies that uh, I'm nostalgic for from my childhood and I just throw on every now and then. Yeah, I remember really liking
0: the second one because they they go to the Junior Olympics, I think, in that one. And the it, Junior Goodwill Games. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, man. Good stuff. I think I had the novelization of the second, <laughs> <laughs> the, the second movie when I was very young.
1: What that's a weird amazing. thing.
0: Yeah. Um, OK. All right. Let's move on. I, I, I guess continuing the Disney talk. Uh, Disney is going to be releasing a theatrical version, uh, like a filmed live captured version of Hamilton. I think we talked about that on the podcast when that news came out. Um HD, what is the latest on that? Um, I guess there's some rumblings about what we may or may not actually see in that show or in that movie when it it comes to theaters.
1: Yes. So according to New York Times reporter Kyle Buchanan, one of the negotiation points over Disney's deal with Hamilton and releasing the live capture performance uh, to theaters, which is a first for this film for this like Broadway musical and a very rare occasion for any Broadway musical. Uh, But because Disney strictly adheres to the PG-13 or lower rating with its theatrical releases, it may have to censor some of the songs in Hamilton, which have at least Two F-bombs and several other curse words, but um, because the MPAA uh, is very backwards, um, it only allows one F-bomb in a PG-13 film and Hamilton surpasses that by one, Um, but uh, that's not confirmed for now. Uh, Kyle Buchanan also talked to Lin-Manuel Miranda on the Oscars red carpet about this issue. And Miranda said that um, they'll figure it out when they get there. Um, But he added that they're not going to cut any sections of the show. And he continued that, um, quote, if we have to mute a word here or there to reach the largest audience possible, I'm okay with that because your kids already have the original language memorized. I don't think we're driving anyone of anything. If we mute an F-bomb here or there to make our rating. What do you think about that, H.T.? Well, I do remember there's at least one F-bomb in the show during the song The Adams Administration that is censored sort of for a comedic effect. It was a said, um, like, Lynn Miranda says, fuck, in the original off-Broadway production, but in the Broadway production, it gets censored. And I think it's mostly, you know, for comedy. Um, and the other ones aren't quite so clear, but I do think that sort of the the curse words uh, are sort of um, exemplify the, the show's um, uh, emulating of hip-hop culture that made it such a big uh, sensation. And I wonder if trying to tamp that down will uh take away what made hamilton such a big appealing um phenomenon in the first place but it is yeah. So i I hope that if disney does like take some censorship to this production that i won't be too much and that'll maybe just be like some you know bleeps or something but if they end up censoring some of the other words like whore is used a lot and bitch and everything and um those are like words in the songs that really like land um and are uh big beats in the um the the lyrics so i wonder like if they're gonna do anything about that but yeah those those strike
0: me as like more integral to the storytelling than Mm -hmm. the f-bombs which like if they get muted it's kind of like i don't know i I look at it as like uh, disney's gonna disney like what you know what are we gonna do about it but um chris you've seen hamilton two three times maybe or something like that twice i saw it twice
3: twice so what do you think about this uh Yeah, I'm a little bummed out about it. I'm also bummed out that Lin-Manuel Miranda is sort of just like, ah, who cares? But, you know, at the same time, it is his thing. So if he doesn't care, I guess we shouldn't care too much. But it does seem like, you know, <laughs> people love this show for a reason. Like, why would you want to change that? But what do I know? I'm not Disney. Yeah, and it's
0: almost like Disney has you know, they're in such a huge position of power right now in the industry. It's like if they wanted to, I'm I'm sure they could, you know, rules change sometimes, like the PG-13 rating didn't exist. And then all of a sudden, there was this groundswell and it did. So like, I feel like Disney has the power right now if they wanted to, to, you know, reach out to the MPAA and institute some changes, you know, or at least like put pressure on people to to make those changes. So I don't know if this is going to be the movie that gets them to do that. If they are even interested in doing anything like that or if they just don't want to rock the boat and want to, you know, uh, keep up the the family uh, appearance as much as possible. I don't know if they would get, like, a backlash for pushing, uh, you know, PG-13 movies to get two f-bombs if like conservative media would like go nuts on disney for months about that but um I, i just think you know they have the power if anybody in hollywood could get the mpaa to make a change i think disney is is the person or is the entity right now to be able to do that but we'll see we'll see um brad Let's talk about Chaos Walking for a minute. Um, recap, I guess, just very briefly what this movie is. And then uh, our own Peter Serretta was talking on our uh, most anticipated 2020 list about this movie. Um, this film has a release date now, but uh, I don't think Peter's going to be too happy about it.
2: Yes, so Chaos Walking, we've heard about for a while now. Uh, it's been delayed because apparently the a test screening Resulted in some pretty unfavorable reactions. A lot, some people said that the movie was uh, deemed unreleasable, and so they were going to undergo some expensive reshoots in order to fix it. Um, so, th- for those who don't know, Chaos Walking is uh, based on a book called The Knife of Never Letting Go. It is the first in a series of books come to has come to be known as the Chaos Walking series. Um, it's written by Patrick Ness, and Doug Lyman is the one tasked with turning it into a movie starring Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley. And initially, the movie was supposed to be released this year, but Lions Geet uh, recently sent out a press release saying that it will now be released on January 22nd, 2021. Just missing that 2020 deadline that Peter would have loved to have had to put the movie on our list of the most anticipated movies of 2020. Uh, So I guess that's good news that the movie is finally getting released. Maybe not the best news that it has a January 2021 release date, since that's generally a dumping ground for movies that just can't cut it among summer blockbusters or award season. Uh, But I imagine the book series has its fans and they'll probably still turn out for it. And plus, Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley uh, have their their many, many fans out there from the Star Wars and Spider-Man franchises. So perhaps it's something that we can look forward to. This movie started filming in
0: 2017, Brad, and it's gonna finally come out in in January of 2021. That kind of feels like the studio is like um, almost washing its hands of this movie. And I know we don't have to talk about this for very long, but like a January release date for a big sci-fi movie with like a crazy premise and and two major actors, like I, I don't th- think this is gonna be like a paradigm-shifting film that like suddenly changes January into, like, a viable, you know, thing for uh, studios to release movies in, Uh, this sort of just feels like it's going to the dumping grounds, doesn't it?
2: I mean, that's really what it feels like. Uh, It seems like, you know, maybe they couldn't save it, or they just don't think that they have what it takes to be, you know, uh, a movie that plays alongside other big blockbusters. Uh, But you never know, you know. Plenty of movies have been saved by reshoots before, and there's always you know a chance that it could work out so fingers crossed i guess Fingers crossed. Yeah. I, I mean, I obviously I really like Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley
0: and Doug Lyman has made some great stuff. Edge of Tomorrow rules. So I, hopefully this project turns out well, but I don't know. All, all of the uh, signs so far are pointing to something that's going to be disappointing. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll reserve final judgment until January 2021. Uh, let's move to our last story of the day, and that is Bride of Frankenstein over at Universal. Uh, a remake of that movie may actually still be in the works, even though the dark universe is dead. HD, what's going on over there?
1: Yeah, it may still be alive, so to speak. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, according to a new report from Variety, uh, Universal is still trying to keep the pulse beating for Bride of Frankenstein, despite its uh, seeming demise after the Dark Universe imploded. Apparently, in the past year, a few sp- people have uh, circled the project attempting to take their own spin on the the remake. Uh, That includes A Quiet Place director John Krasinski, who approached the project last year, or rather was approached by Universal to put his spin on any Universal monster character, um, but has been since busy with A Quiet Place 2. But the most recent person to uh, circle the project is uh, producer Amy Pascal, best known for producing Spider-Man and recently uh, with an Oscar nod under her on her belt for Little Women, and uh, she has apparently floated the idea to Sam Raimi, who uh, directed Spider-Man, uh, but he has been busy with the with the talks to direct Marvel's Doctor Strange, and she has also apparently floated the deal to, floated the idea to uh, Jurassic Park screenwriter. Screenwriter David Cope, uh, who was previously involved in the Dark Universe version with Angelina Jolie, but nothing is uh, set in concrete right now. It's all sort of people who may or may not be interested in doing this remake. But it seems that Universal uh, is is interested in having different people, producers, directors, uh, put their spin on it, and maybe not in an overall franchise, but with um, edgier, more affordable takes like we are seeing with the upcoming Invisible Man remake starring Elizabeth Moss.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because uh, Angelina Jolie might technically still be on board this project, and if she, uh, I guess, remains on and if Amy Pascal ends up producing this thing, they'll end up working together for the first time since I don't remember what, what the last movie they worked on together was, but I remember when the Sony hack happened, there was this huge thing where Amy Pascal, who was running Sony at the time, her emails got leaked and she called uh, Angelina Jolie a minim- minimally talented, spoiled brat in those emails. And like of course the media like jumped on that and turned it into this huge thing. There's like a billion headlines everywhere all about that. So that must have stung for Angelina Jolie. I wonder if it's going to be one of those things where she's able to... I don't know, just let bygones be bygones and, and they'll move forward together with this thing. Or if that is enough where uh, if Pascal ends up producing this, then Jolie's going to walk away. There seems to be like some potential for behind the scenes drama there. Um, so that, that's interesting. But uh, I don't think I've ever actually seen the original Bride of Frankenstein. Chris, you must have seen it, right? As a big horror fan. Oh, yes. Yeah. So what do you make of, of the fact that uh, Universal keeps... I guess um, coming back and circling around to this property in particular of all of the um, universal monsters uh, the you know, the stable of creatures that they have there, this one seems like the one that they really don't want to let go. Um, Does the original movie uh, warrant, you know, this level of uh, of scrutiny and all of that stuff? Do you think that there's enough um, potential in a remake for them to be caring about this as much as they seem
3: to? I mean, the original is is one of the best of the Universal monster movies. Um, but what makes it special is uh, just you know the way it was made, and I it, you know it's it's the first of those films to sort of get campy, for lack of a better word, but not like not like destructively so. And I don't know, it's just it's a it's a film that really opens up more of the the story that was set up in the first Frankenstein and it's just a a really brilliantly made film and I don't know if you can sort of capture that again at the same time you know I'm I'm not against it I I I love universal monsters and I I would love to see them get a a second chance again outside of the dark universe I'm looking forward to the invisible man so I, I hope I hope it works out but I don't know you know how you, you recreate what makes that original film so special
0: yeah well we'll see i'm going to add uh bride of frankenstein to my list of things to finally catch up with um but i guess that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of slash on daily i guess uh let's go around the circle real quick and just tell people where they can find more of our stuff online um brad
2: let's start with you always on slashfilm.com of course you can also find me on twitter at ethan underscore Anderson. Uh, and I have my own podcast called Go Fix Yourself, available on iTunes and other places where podcasts can be listened to. H.C., how about you?
1: You can find me writing every day at SlashFilm.com. I'm on Twitter at HTrenBui, and my own podcast, The Millennial Falcon, is available on iTunes and Google Play.
0: And Chris?
3: Uh, look for me at SlashFilm.com and on Twitter at evangelista 413
0: You can find me writing at SlashFilm.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ben Pears. And you can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. And make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget also to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.